The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. During this time of quarantine and lockdown, Christians are actively praying for each other, for our families, communities, for our nations and our national leaders. According to the Pew Research Center, more than half of Americans have been praying for an end to the coronavirus. I'd like to share some of my own thoughts, at least 12 important points for prayer and reflection that we're facing during this pandemic. The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darig. Many prayer directives are calling for us to intercede for our nations at this time. And I'd like to share at least 12 important prayer points during the present coronavirus pandemic. Prayer point number one. First of all, we must constantly keep before our minds and our hearts God's prescription for national healing. And that's outlined in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. So as diligently as we wash our hands, Let's also diligently fulfill conditions according to that very clear formula that God gave in those verses. They say, if during a time of drought, a plague of locusts or pestilence, if God's people do four things, if we humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways, if we repent, then God promises to do three things. Hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. Secondly, let's pray that any political media or globalist agenda trying to manipulate or duplicate this pandemic as a future pattern will be cut off in Jesus' name. This is spiritual warfare as well as physical warfare. King David prayed in Psalm 118 and verse 10, all nations surround me in the name of the Lord I cut them off. And another rendition of that verse is that many enemies were around me, but I destroyed them by the power of the Lord. We must use our authority in prayer to cut off every plan to destroy our nations, whether from within or from outside. So much is riding upon the economic well-being of the United States and Britain at this time. And I was very touched when a Haitian made a comment on Facebook that if America is safe, then Haiti will be safe because America is the great helper to our nation and to so many nations. Despite our many national sins, we have so much to help others. And God is not unjust to forget that. He's not mocked. We will reap what we have sown, including the good help we've given to other nations. Prayer point number three, let's pray for the fourth estate, the media, to be purged and for balance to be restored at this time. Disrespect and entitlement in the media bubble is at an all-time low. We must pray that the media, which is disseminating information 24-7, we're absolutely awash with it, will purpose to get behind the president at this time. 
not of course to sanction every word that comes out of his mouth, but in wartime, and this is war against an invisible enemy. The public needs a press that cares about the welfare of the nation rather than trying to defeat an elected official during an emergency. Jesus said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And some time ago, the Lord showed me that when some major crisis happens, we should pray that the media and the political parties would finally learn that our national interests are more important than petty politics. An example of the media's anti-God attitude was when they were quick to deride a well-known businessman at a recent White House coronavirus press briefing, despite the businessman's company's contribution to combating the outbreak. The businessman is producing 50,000 cotton face masks every day for healthcare workers as an act of patriotism during the crisis. In the press briefing, he spoke a prayer and encouraged the country to dedicate time to our families and prayer. But he was openly mocked on Twitter and elsewhere by the press for speaking like this. Prayer point number four. Let's pray for a spirit of true Bible faith at this time in order for us to defeat this virus. And one of my favorite scriptures is 1 John 4, 5. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Well, President Trump made a statement by faith about businesses opening up again and the country getting back on track by Resurrection Sunday. He said his goal was aspirational, but I believe it was also inspirational, and so do many others. Yet, many media pundits, politicians, leftists, and scientists who endlessly model unsubstantiated statistics, they mocked his words and hoped for something positive by that very symbolic timeline, Resurrection Sunday. Well, what better day to resurrect a nation and its economy than Holy Week? Highly symbolic. Trump's instinct was that the problem is worse than the cure. And I believe the president is offering brave, unusual leadership in the face of tremendous opposition and prejudicial loathing against him. Trump was pressured to walk back his projections. And it reminded me that Churchill was perhaps the most impressive wartime leader in history, but he also had plenty of detractors. During Britain's darkest hours, Churchill grasped the true situation, while many in his own party called for negotiations with Hitler. As intercessors, let's continue to fulfill the conditions of 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, and believe God to grant unusual bravery to President Trump to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and to Bibi Netanyahu and Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia, who has been praying publicly. During his presidential campaign, Trump had already foreseen trouble by calling for border security and less dependency upon China to manufacture our goods, medicines, and medical equipment. Well, prayer point number five. On top of everything else, we're dealing with a spirit of Jezebel that's challenging authority, especially in Washington, D.C. Like many hardline political leftists, evolutionists, and globalists today, in the Bible, 
Jezebel was so overbearing that she demanded her foreign pagan religion should become Israel's national religion. And we're seeing this pattern in America today with politicians demanding that we bow to their anti-God secularism, which is like a religion, while they pretend to maintain a veneer of, quote, religion. Leftists and progressive politicians are trying hard to impose their value system on the general population. Only fasting and prayer overcomes these strong Jezebel-like spirits in government. When a person is under the influence of this demonic spirit, they become troublesome manipulators and thieves. And I expound this teaching in more depth in my video called Overcoming the Spirit of Jezebel, in which I discuss the thievery of property and leadership regarding Jezebel and Naboth's vineyard. And that's told in the book of 1 Kings chapter 21. One of the chief characteristics of the Jezebel spirit is to usurp leadership. The Jezebel spirit in Washington is a despicable force that every believer in Jesus must learn to discern. We must also learn to resist it and to cast it out spiritually and by our anointed prayer decrees from our legal position in the spirit realm where we rule with Messiah far above all demonic realms. The Apostle Paul taught about this level of authority in prayer in his epistle to the Ephesians. And so born-again believers have authority to cast out the Jezebel spirit. And don't be afraid of that spirit, like even the great prophet Elijah was afraid. You see, it's very cunning and threatening, but we're told in the New Testament that greater is he within us, the Lord, than any demonic force working against our nations. Prayer point number six, let's refuse to sit in front of our televisions for hours mesmerized by graphics of statistics about death. Instead, let's speak life, life over our cities and nations. Psalm 118 verse 17 declares, I love this verse, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Deuteronomy 13.3 teaches us also that the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all of your heart. And so we have to ask, are we passing this test at this time? During these times, the Lord is watching to see who is trusting him with all of our hearts, or are we listening to the fears that are being pushed 24-7? Yes, as believers, we do abide by government guidelines, but we shouldn't have a spirit of fear, but rather, the Bible says, a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That's because we dwell in the protective promises of Psalm 91. I and my prayer partners, whom I'm constantly in contact with through the social media, can testify that during the panic buying and shortages, we haven't panicked and we have lacked nothing. So let us all who profess to be believers test positive for faith in this hour. Hallelujah. Prayer point number seven, let's pray actively for wisdom and cures in the medical profession. Let's continue to lift up the arms of the weary medical profession and pray for all who are battling this invisible enemy. Let's pray for their immunity, 
creativity, endurance for their families, and let's pray for medical integrity and truth about the drugs and vaccines. This is so important because there's a lot of deception out there. Prayer point number eight, obeying authorities at this time has become an issue of our personal rights being stripped away versus our national health concerns. So how should we pray? And we've got to get this balance right. So let's look at some verses in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13 and verse 17. We have this verse that tells us to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And then over in Romans chapter 13, and verse 1, this is a very well-known verse, talked about a lot now, in which Paul said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For he says, there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. Additionally, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has been quoting from the book of Leviticus, saying that whoever violates the prohibition of gatherings, that person tramples on the basic principle of Love your neighbor as yourself. And he added, it's just reckless abandon to flaunt our freedoms at this time. By the way, hinting at Taiwan and Singapore, Netanyahu said that Israel has had great success as certain Asian countries who have significantly slowed the spread of the pandemic. So while many scriptures teach us to obey our authorities in general, Acts 5.29 also says, we ought to obey God rather than men. So should ministers openly defy government lockdowns at this time under threats of arrest and hold meetings of more than, say, 10 persons? Already at least one preacher has been arrested for holding a church meeting, although he insisted on social distancing and so forth. But when we deliberately flaunt our faith in danger of public health, this just gives believers a bad name. For example, one of the great leaders of the Reformation said that during a time of plague, he would not venture amongst crowds to infect himself, nor would he do so to endanger others. Yet closing down churches altogether is a troublesome trend, isn't it? In England, cathedrals and houses of worship are very important symbols to the national psyche. There should be places of sanctuary for people to pray. At first, ministers took sensible precautions themselves. They said, no handshaking, no hugs, no hymnals that might carry the virus. Then the order came, suspending public worship for the first time in Britain since 1208. Well, while supermarkets, pharmacies, and petrol stations are allowed to stay open, houses of worship must be shuttered at a time of crisis. Houses of worship are important bulwarks for the spiritual, mental, and physical well-being of people. Our expensive church buildings in the United States are currently pretty useless, empty shells. I am thankful for online worship. It has its place, of course. But why can't churches be open for prayer during certain hours while congregants maintain social distancing? Jews are going through all sorts of similar hardships by not being able to hold a minion in prayer, which requires 10 men. And for the first time since the original Passover, Jews in Israel will be confined to their homes. 
Many rabbis are saying that this is a prophetic sign that Messiah is coming. So let's consider prayer point number nine. Let's pray especially for Israel at this time. Blood libels are surfacing again, accusing the Jews of spreading the virus. It's the same old anti-Semitism. I'm appalled by the so-called true news anti-Semitic broadcaster who is saying that the coronavirus is spreading in the synagogues as a punishment from God because Jews don't follow Jesus. Well, he's making the same tragic mistake that was made by Martin Luther, the sin of hatred, the sin of impatience, and the sin of unbelief that the Jewish people will eventually recognize Jesus, Yeshua. When the Jews didn't recognize Jesus on Luther's time schedule, he just wrote them off with the most virulent anti-Semitism and hate-filled words that Hitler later used during the Holocaust. But God has his own timings concerning Israel in the last days. Let's learn this thoroughly. Leave the timing to God and learn how to pray peacefully for the peace of Jerusalem. We must fulfill the biblical mandate to bless the Jews, our spiritual fathers, according to the promises in Genesis 12, 3, rather than foolishly cursing them and inviting the very wrath of God. How often has it been said that those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it? Well, because we live on the other side of the Nazi Holocaust, there's absolutely no excuse for the repeat of today's anti-Semitism. It's bad enough to see anti-Semitism rearing its ugly head amongst the great unwashed public, but when it reemerges in the churches, that's really disturbing and highly dangerous. Churches especially must be careful to honor our elders in the faith and be on the right side of history. Even though Jesus was involved in intense spiritual warfare with the Jewish elders of his day, ending in his sacrificial death, Still, he asked for forgiveness for everybody involved in his death because he understood that they didn't know what they were doing. Furthermore, he said in John 4, 22, that salvation proceeds from the Jewish people, meaning that the Hebraic roots of our faith must be understood and assimilated. A battle of truth or consequences is going on right now in the churches over Israel. And the question is, are we willing to accept the truth that God still loves the Jews and, and keeps covenant with them? Or will we bear the consequences? Prayer point number 10. Let's pray for mercy in a time of judgment and for families to be strengthened at this time. Some theologians believe that our national sins have resulted in abandonment by God to be overrun at this time by the pandemic. For years, I've been sharing Isaiah 26, 9 as a warning, and now it's coming to pass. And that verse says, For when God's judgments are in the earth, then the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let's pray, therefore, that earth dwellers in this season will learn the lessons of righteous, godly principles so that God doesn't need to judge us further. And therefore, we will receive a longer window of prosperity in order to preach the gospel. People aren't fully getting it yet, though. God has allowed this dry run of an end-time plague as a wake-up call. And in His mercy, I believe He's hoping that we will repent and return to Him.
tragically during the Great Tribulation in the future, while I believe many will be saved, yet many hearts will also continue stubbornly to resist God. And in the back of the book here, in Revelation chapter 16, we have this verse. It's one of the most sobering verses in the Bible. It says in the future, And they blaspheme the God of heaven on account of their distresses and on account of their sores, but they did not repent of their deeds. Therefore, let's learn now the value of repenting of our wicked national disease through identificational repentance, as did the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. Let us repent for the abortions that democratic politicians are demanding to continue while, while other elective operations are being postponed during the crisis. I agree with prophetic voices that God is shaking the world right now to get the attention of those who don't know him so that they might turn to God in their distress and be saved. Yet, we must know the cost of following Jesus. According to presidential lawyer Jay Sekulow, a New York Times editorial hatefully asserted that the road to the coronavirus was paved by evangelicals. Christians who pray for leaders were targeted for praying. And Sekulow said the editorial was a direct assault on the church. The New York Times editorial follows on the heels of a radical left organization funded by billionaire George Soros claiming that it's time to abolish the family. Prayer point number 11. Let all animal rights lovers pray that the live animal so-called wet markets in China be shut down. Dogs and cats are packed in inhumane cages. Some animals in these markets are reportedly tortured because it's believed that the torture releases certain hormones that make the animals become tastier food. That is just sick, perverse, and against every humane principle. Furthermore, many unclean foods are targeted as possible virus carriers. Among other unclean animals, the Torah stipulates that you may not eat, for example, the eagle, vulture, the kite, any kind of falcon, raven, gull, hawk, owl, a stork, and bats. Some people believe the bats in these wet markets were the cause of the present coronavirus. God gave us prohibitions against eating unclean animals, yet many believers ignore his wisdom and say it's just not relevant. It's just the Old Testament, they derisively say. So we need to reconsider these things and stay in prayer. Finally, prayer point number 12. Let's prayerfully look up and rejoice during our time of discomfort and quarantines, for our redemption is drawing nigh. Throughout history, there have always been plagues, but Jesus said that coupled with the rebirth of the fig tree nation, Israel, the end times would be characterized by earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. God in his mercy has given us this time a large space to reflect and to repent. Never in my years of living have I experienced such an enforced sabbatical. Consider the words of Sir Isaac Newton, that forward-thinking scientist, who wrote that about the time of the end, believers will be raised up who will turn their attention to Bible prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation. And he said, 
This would happen in the midst of much clamor and opposition. Doesn't that describe today? The sudden appearing of the Lord Jesus to take us home to the Father is called in the New Testament, our blessed hope. And our blessed hope is defined by the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 2 as the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. When followers of Jesus speak of the blessed hope, that means we're looking forward to seeing Jesus again. And Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 that he will return to take us with him to the rooms he's preparing for us right now in his father's house. And this is according to Jewish wedding customs. Acts 1.11 declared that he will return in the same manner in which he left, in the clouds. And the letters to the early churches said that he will return. So our blessed hope is not a myth or a fanciful wish, but we do trust in Jesus' promises and his faithfulness to return. And when we see Jesus, our difficulties on earth will fade and become a distant past. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep in death, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Paul was speaking of the great snatch, the rapture. As followers of Jesus, how should this blessed hope impact us today? Well, 1 John 3, 3 says that anyone who has this hope of the Lord's appearing purifies himself, makes himself ready. So God calls us to live righteously, to share the gospel, to make disciples, and to love others, including our families. That's why we must be born again in order to do these things and understand these times. How can we experience the new birth? Because Jesus said we must be born again. Well, Psalm 139, which is one of my favorite psalms, tells us, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I'm sure many of you have been having some anxious thoughts. So the Bible says the only way a person will ever get into the presence of God is if our sins are removed and if we are clothed in the Lord's righteousness. And the only way our sins can ever be removed is by sacrifice. For the Torah says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So there must be a sacrifice for sin. The good news is the final sacrifice was provided freely, voluntarily by Jesus on the cross. If you turn your back on Jesus, he said, you will die in your sins. My friend, it's dangerous to die in the excrement of your own sins. That would be like living in a major epidemic without any immunity, without having a face mask, gloves, hand sanitizer, no vaccine. We need the covering of the precious blood of Jesus over the doorposts of our hearts. That's the double cure that saves us by faith of sin and sickness. The Bible says we weren't redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, the spotless lamb, without blemish. Furthermore, the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if we're willing to surrender our lives to him and confess Jesus as Lord, we shall be saved. And I rejoice that the good news of the gospel also includes healing. And in the meantime, please feel free to contact me on the social media and take time to explore our website at exploits.tv 
where you can sign up to receive our weekly updates and our electronic magazine exploits. And don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel app. And so, until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha.